my check. It's good to be in the house of the living God this morning. Can I get an amen? If you guys don't mind, put your hands together for the praise team again. That was wonderful this morning. Hallelujah. Yeah. I tell you what, for the past several years, me and Brian has been up here by ourselves and Emily every once in a while, and it's been very difficult. But when you get almost a full band up here, it makes a whole lot of difference. It gives everybody an opportunity to use their own gifts. You know, Brian can express himself on the guitar, you know, and, and you know, I'm going to try to hit the drums the best I can. I used to could play, but we're doing all right up here. Want you guys go with me now to the book of John chapter 9. John chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. You guys don't get quiet on me now. The word's going to come. John chapter 9, verse 1 through 34. Once you find your place, we ask you as always to stand for the reading of God's holy scriptures. I was just going to read part of this story, but... It seems you miss a whole lot when you miss the entirety, so I want to go ahead and read the whole story here because it's, it's amazing how blind these people really were in the days of Christ. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 34. You got your place, say amen. The Bible says, as Jesus went along, He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Verse 3 says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Verse 7 says, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went, and he washed, and he came home seeing. Everybody said he came home seeing. He came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. I went, I washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore... The Pharisees also asked him, now that he has received his sight, he, put, he asked him, how did you see? He put eye, mud on my eyes. The man replied, and I washed, and now I see. But some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs so they were divided? John nine seventeen. then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about it? 
It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind or had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? His parents says, we, we know he is our son and we know that he was born blind, but how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who also had decided that anyone who had acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. Well, that's a shame, ain't it? You believe in Jesus, you got to get out of this church. Hmm. Now, that was his parents that said he, he is of age as him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Boy, they're not getting it, are they? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Uh-oh. Here we go. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, he said, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opens blind eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly men who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. That means saturated. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Lost his place in church, believing in Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Yeshua, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. Lord, we just approach you by your grace. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would show us favor this morning. Open our hearts, open our ears and our minds to receive a word from you. Now, Lord, we know that your servant is just a simple man, but... Lord, you can take the simple things of this world to do great things. And we ask, oh Lord, that you speak through these lips of clay, hide your servant behind the cross, and may no flesh boast before you today. May all the glory be yours and all the honor. Now, Lord, have your way in this service. Please open our ears to hear what you have to say each and every one of us. Now, Lord, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. God's people said amen, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to begin this morning with the, the title of our lesson. Our sermon is simply entitled, I was blind, but I was predestined by God to see. I want you to turn to your neighbor if you have one this morning and say, neighbor, God does have a perfect plan for your life. 
but can you see it? Can you see it? I like how Jeremiah puts this in Jeremiah 29 and 11. He said, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe it this morning? See, God's plans are not like our plans. And his ways are not like our ways. All the time, we, we wonder what God is doing behind the scene. So God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor is my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So with that said, let's try this morning to try to put ourselves in this man's position. Like I've told you many times in the past, some of the best revelations I believe that I have ever, ever received by reading the Word of God is trying to put me in the story. In other words, I want you to consider yourself being born blind. Your eyes completely sealed. You have never seen. Can you imagine today never seeing your loved ones? Never seeing your friends. Never seeing the light of day. And above that, never seeing the creation that God has created for us to enjoy. Can you imagine that this morning? And so when you really think about it this morning, the thing that this man is looking at is so miraculous. Can you imagine being blind and all of a sudden you can see and everybody's so caught up about who did it, but he is caught up in what he's seeing, you see. But what we have to understand is that the one who actually opened his eyes was the very one who created everything that now he's looking at. And so with that said, let's go to the book of, of, of Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Because you have to have this revelation to understand what this man is actually seeing here. The Bible said that he is the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Are you with me this morning? Genesis 1 and 31, and God saw all that he had made and it was Good. Now, of course, one thing we don't really know about this man, we know that he was born blind, but we don't have a clue about how old he must have been. Now, in my imagination, I've always thought that he was probably somewhere around 30-ish. But, but, but we do have a clue that his parents said that this man, let him answer for himself, he is of age. Now, if we use our law and our standards, if, if a young man or a young woman is 18, they could join the service. They could go and fight for our country and honor our country, but unfortunately some of those people could also be killed at the age of 18 for their own choice. But also what you have to realize is that at the age of 21, so now we're looking at the ages between 18 and 21, possibly. At the age of 21, a, a young man or a young lady could also at this time 
go to the liquor store and purchase them some liquor, which could also, God forbid, kill them as well. Now, I'm not going to try to get in nobody's mailbox, but I just want to touch on this for just a second because this is what God laid on my heart. And so I looked up something that was really interesting, and I found that in America, just in America, each year that 140,000 people die from alcohol. Some die from liver poisoning or just poisoning. Some die from car accidents, etc. But 140,000 people die. And, and I know that some parents are thinking, you know, they lose a child, 18 to 21, they lose that child to an accident, but, but it was not God's choice for them to go get drunk and have a wreck and kill themselves. Think about it. They chose death over life. Now, I know you don't realize how many people 140,000 is, but have you ever been to the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, the new stadium? Anybody? No, none of us? Two of us? <laughs> Three or four of us? Now, that stadium will hold up to 90,000 people. You take that stadium and you fill it up one and three quarters time. One time, fill it up almost again three quarters. Then you have close to what we're looking at. And it's that many people who have made the choice. They made it. And because of that choice, they're no longer with us each year. Is that sad or what? But we also have more people in the world who's choosing death because they're refusing God's salvation. See, but they have a little help here. The one who's helping them is the enemy who comes to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. That's right. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 tells us that the, the God of this age, who's the devil, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And, and so the same little G, I call him, it is whispering into their ear, okay, man, you're 21. You can now buy you some liquor. It's the same one who's blinding individuals saying, you know, you don't need to go to church. You need to live it up. You're young. You need to sow some oats while you still can. Are you with me this morning? And of course, we know Deuteronomy 30 and 19. God says, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. But a verse that we're not familiar with is the, the verse of Isaiah 5 and 22. He said, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks. I took a look at this word woe. I really want to know what woe meant. The word woe means an exclamation of misfortune, of grief, anguish, and affliction, which could be a type of judgment for your choice. Are you with me this morning? But back to our text, we find in verse 2 that the disciples, they have a very unique and bizarre question. 
They asked the Savior, who sinned? This man or his parents sinned? Did they sin or did he sin that he was born blind? Now, this is strange because it's almost, it doesn't even make sense. Why would you ask somebody, did he sin before he was born? See, you, you, me and you, even though we were born in sin, we never sinned before we were born. Come on, amen. So, so that, that's completely irrelevant, amen? But, but we do know that the Bible teaches us that even though we never sinned as a child, that we were born in sin. David tells us, Psalms 51 and 5, he says, Surely I was sinful from the time I was born, from the time my mother conceived me. But here's what we need to look at. The second question. Did this happen to this man because of the sins of his parents? And I know you're saying, no, that, that wouldn't happen either. Well, contrary to what you might believe, according to the law of God, this is a legit question. Because there's something in the Bible called idolatry. And idolatry is, is a law that was given by Moses that would say, hey, if you are caught in idolatry, this could be punishable for the third and the fourth generation of your children. In other words, does not the Bible say, have no other God before me? Let's look at this law, Exodus 20, 3 through 6. The Bible said, thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make for yourself an idol in a form of anything in heaven above, earth beneath, or the waters below. Thou shalt not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of their fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Now, this is good news to me because this is telling me because of my love for my Savior, my children will be blessed for a thousand generations after me. But the sad part is those who have put other gods ahead of him, in other words, they're in love with the world. The Bible says, do not love the world or anything in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. James says in 4 and 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? But I love Jesus so much because his answer is so graceful. He's not concerned about the sins of the father or the mother or even the man himself but he brings a supernatural revelation to the table, something that they have never really probably ever considered before. We look in verse 3. This is his answer. He says, neither this man nor his parents has sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Let me bring it down to where the rubber meets the rope. 
We go through stuff. There's not a soul in this room that doesn't go through trials and tribulations. You may be having it going good right now. Just keep living. Because I'm, I'm here to tell you it won't be long before you will find yourself back on your knees saying, Lord, get me out of this. But we have to understand there's a reason for the, the, reason for the things that we go through in life. First of all, we have a God who loves and cares for us. He loves us unconditionally. And because he is a good father, we know that a good father will discipline his. Y'all know I was raised the American way. Stars and stripes. Come on, amen. I mean, that's the way we were raised back then. We need some more stars and stripes in America today. But we read in the Bible, Hebrews 12 and 11, that it says that no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvestness of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so discipline is given by God for a purpose, to grow us. James says it like this, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete. How do we start this message? That God has a plan for you? He, he's planning something out. In, in order to get that to happen, he's predestined certain things to come into your life in order for that to take place. But when we go against the grain of the wood, we find ourselves fighting against God, then we find ourselves in a place called discipline because he's trying to get you there. 1 Peter 4, 16, Peter tells us, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed but praise God that you bear that name. Come on, hallelujah. Now, I want to show you something you may not agree with, but that's okay. This would be my opinion. But I like the way that Paul has expressed his sufferings in life for Christ. He, he describes them as his chains. Let's look at this. Are y'all with me this morning? Philippians 1 and 14. Because of my chains, because of my, everybody say, because of my chains. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. In other words, when the world sees me and Brian, Randy, you name it, when they see us, the children of God going through hell and high water and we're being persecuted and we still got a smile on our face. Come on, amen. Now this is what Paul's talking about because of my chance, because of what I've been through in life. People are accelerated to take the word of God in and out of different countries to do what they're called to do. 
And they're not ashamed to suffer because they see that Paul's still smiling. I don't consider that our present sufferings in this world is worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Hallelujah! Woo! So when God allows us to go through these things, we have to keep in mind to keep a smile on our face. It's not always easy, is it? I want to read 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Paul said, to keep me from becoming conceited. Because of the surpassing great revelations that was given me a thorn in my flesh. Now this is not a sickness. He tells us exactly what it is. He said, it's a messenger of Satan. Y'all understand that, don't you? Can you imagine God putting a bulldog on you personally? Yeah, he got a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me that my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. He said, that is why for Christ's sake, 2 Corinthians 12 and 10, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am. Woo! Strong. I'm not trying to get my David Lee Roth on up here. I just got excited there for a minute. (laughs) Woo! Now, I want to show you something that you might have overlooked. Let's go to the story of of, of raising Lazarus from the grave. We know that story, right? But I want to show you something that you may have missed that Jesus has said prior to the raising of the dead. First of all, he's out of town and he's holding back. Everybody's wanting him to go and pray for Lazarus because he's sick. It's not time to go yet. And then finally he gets the news that Lazarus is dead. So he said, let's, let's go and, and, and wake Lazarus up. And Peter's like, no, no Lord, let him sleep because if he sleep, he'll get better. But, but God simply says to him in John 11, 14 and 15, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, he's dead and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. Listen to this. So that you may believe. John 11 and 40, we find now Jesus is already in the town of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. He's he's at the tomb, you see. But I want you to listen to his words again. He said, "Did did I not tell you in John 11 and 40, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God Didn't I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see? Jesus is in the process of opening eyes. He's in the process of getting people to believe in him. And so Lazarus is predestined by the living God to die prematurely in order for people to see and the people to be saved. He has no clue. He's laying on his deathbed. You know, oh man, I'm, I don't, I'm not feeling right here. He has no idea what's working in the process. 
because God has a plan. We see people die around us and we, 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 you know, we, we, we forget one thing. We're going through pain and grief. But we forget one thing. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. See, God has never lost one little sheep. You and I, we lose temporarily. But that's the problem. We, we get in our mind that we've lost them. No. They're just separated temporarily because you and I will see our loved ones again if they are saved. You might see them again too in hell if you're not saved. Y'all can write me a letter from hell. I'm not planning to be there. (laughs) Hallelujah. But God's timing has a time. We don't understand his timing. We don't understand the things that he does. But he told us that your ways are not my ways, nor your thoughts my thoughts. But we have to trust God while we're going through those times in life that God has predestined you and I for certain situations. You know, if someone had told me that, man, you're going to have to go through 12 spinal surgeries in order to get here, I think I would have passed. I'll take the trash truck and whatever. I'll do anything instead of going through all that. But you see, it was going through the stuff that God allowed me to go through that strengthened me to become more of a man of God. I said something I shouldn't have said years ago. Lord, please make me a man of... Be careful what you ask for. Because I'm here to tell you, there is a big price to become a man or woman of God. Can I be a half? No, no, you got to be whole. Can't be partial. Now understand this, that, that, that not every man who was born blind was predestined to see naturally. But please understand this, that every man born spiritually blind is predestined to see spiritually. I didn't lose you, did I? In other words, not every man who was born physically blind was God's will to see again here on this earth. He'll see when he crosses over. But it is God's will for everybody who is born spiritually blind, which is every one of us, to see. Now, unfortunately, there is a there is a type of Christian, Christianity, if you would, that, that believes that, that some people are predestined to go to hell. I don't believe that. I don't believe that God would predestine anyone to burn in the flames of hell. But here's what I believe. I believe that he predestined us all to see, to live. And I'm going to give you three reasons why I believe that. And they're all biblical. Reason number one is because 2 Peter 3 and 9 tells me that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. My second one is your favorite, 316, John. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. Thank you all. Here's one you may have never seen before. Matthew 18, 12 through 14. Jesus said, what do you think? If a man owned a hundred sheep and one of them wandered off, would he not leave the 99 on the hill to go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is more happy over the one sheep than over the 99 who wandered off. And in the same way, the Lord is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. God will leave the 99 to find the one. We should be willing to leave our 99 to go find that one. Because I can tell you right now, people are walking in Walmart right now, blind, dead, headed straight to hell. And we're saying, okay, we're good with that. As long as I'm in here at church, I'm all comfortable and safe. That's not good enough. I'm sorry to say it's not. Because it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to help the world to see. We had a young man from Arizona. He was blowing us up on Facebook. He, he found one song. Now, he's, he's a thrasher. When I say thrasher, he's into the Super heavy metal. I'm not talking what we play hard rock and then there's metal and there's what we used to call thrash. But he's into the screamo. Oh, amen. You know what I'm talking about. He's into the screamo. And so he writes this deal to us, our band Stain Red. He said, man, I never had a favorite hard rock band until now. He said, this song has done something to me. He said, I've listened to it five times in a row, and I'm still listening to it more. You know what that song's about? It's called, I Won't Give In. It, that song was written through my 15 years of going through 12 spinal surgeries. It was my testimony. God said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives as so much as shrink back from death. It's your testimony. You say, I don't know much, but you can say this. I might be blind, but all but now I see. It's not how much you preach. It's who you preach to and the heart behind it. We've got to get out of our comfort zone because, listen, the trumpet is about to blow. You may not believe that. That's fine. And so here's the sad part of our story today. Can I finish this? The sad part of this story is, is that now in this story we see the hand of God has performed the miracle. Christ has made mud, put it on the eyes, and the man sees. But instead of seeing the miracle, the powerful hand of God, all they can see is that Jesus is a lawbreaker. Let me ask you a question. Who's the blind man in the story? 
Yes. The blind men were the religious leaders looking for a reason to persecute the Savior of the world. In other words, when you plan in your heart and you're predestined to go out there and share the word with somebody, I can promise you persecution will come. I can't tell you how many hospitals I have been ran out of. You can't preach in Walmart, son. Okay, I'll go to the parking lot. Come on. Amen. Let me tell you something. They don't want to hear about Jesus in our world today, but Jesus Christ is the only hope we have. I wish, how much time do I have anyway? All I need? Matthew 12, 4 through, Matthew 12, 9 through 14. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogues. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you have a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Oh, Jesus. Mm. He said, how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Mark 2 and 27. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God has given us a day to rest, but God never stops. He may be in the process of right now saving somebody in this room. You may be the sheep that has fell into the pit, the trap of the world. But God is in the process of using an idiot like me as the fishing rod. And he's got me up here fishing, trying to bring them in. That's my job. So here's the problem. Their problem is, is that they were dealing with something called a hard heart. The more you ignore that still small voice of God, that small voice of God speaking to you, the harder your heart will become. When he tells you no, the Greek word for no is no. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't try to justify it. See, like I said last week, we're always trying to change, change the Word of God to fit our lives instead of changing our lives to fit the Word of God. God has a plan, but His plan lines up perfectly with the Word. To stay in the will of God, you have to stay in the Word of God. And the longer you stay in the Word of God, the more you know the will of God. And you, you, get, you get this in here, in the heart, then your heart will begin to soften up. And I think the biggest problem we have is something called forgiveness. But I never can resist that verse that says, Jesus said, if you don't forgive me, I will not forgive you your sins. You don't forgive men when they sin against you. Heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Let me say it again. If you don't forgive men when they sin against you, 
Your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. So here's a question. How do you get into heaven unforgiven? Oh, it got quiet off in here, Randy. Think about it. Man, that makes you want to get on the phone and say, man, I'm really sorry. It does me. Because we don't, we don't look at the big picture of how God really works, you see. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, 14, through 16, in them is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Understand with their hearts and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. You are blessed when you hear the word of God and listen. If God says that you need to turn from your sins and turn to me so you can be saved, God is saying, listen, I'm ready to put some salve in your eyes. I'm ready to open your eyes because you will remain blind until you come to the cross. And at the cross, once the blood of Christ has been applied to your life, God will indwell you with something called the Holy Spirit. He's not called the unholy spirit. The unholy spirit is the one who will lead you to live a life contrary to the word of God. But it's the Holy Spirit that will always convict you of your sins and he will always drive you to do what's right according to the word of God. So we choose life or we choose death. We choose to see or we choose to remain blind. And the same one that opened this man's eyes is right here in this building. The presence of the living God. The power. The same one who said, Lazarus, come forth. God's word does not return void. It shall accomplish that which he pleases in the purpose for which he sends it. I close with this. I close with the man's testimony. His testimony is verse 25. Let's just break it down to layman's turn. I don't know if Jesus was a sinner or not. I don't know. But I know one thing. I was blind. But now I see. I was born this. I'm the same man. I'm not a different man. I no longer have to be a beggar. See, this man has spent his whole life begging, but now he sees. He has opportunity. Now he can accomplish what he was put on this earth to do. Maybe 18 to 21 years he's blind, but now he sees. Some of you guys have been saved probably 15, 20, 30 years and still walk around with no purpose because you can't see. My people perish because of lack of vision. 
I got to see myself accomplishing the will of God. I don't care if you're 60, 70, 30, or 20. If God calls you to accomplish something, do it. Be wise enough to hear that still small voice when he says, come and go. Because at that point, when you walk in obedience, that's when you find yourself seeing even more. The more you do for Christ, the clearer things become. When's the last time you ever said, you know what, it's time for me to fast? We don't fast, we feast. When you put down your fork, are y'all listening? Y'all getting real mad now. You're talking about groceries. Here we go. When you say no to the cupcake, calling you, I don't care if it is keto <laughs> or made of Cheeto, it don't matter to me. <laughs> when God calls me to lay down the plate, I have to convince my body to get in order to the will of God. And, and your stomach begins to groan and complain and argue, I'm hungry. But that's when you say, your spirit man says, I'm in control by the power of the living God. I'll feed you when it's time to be fed. And the more you starve yourself spiritually and physically, I'm not saying spiritually, I'm saying physically, the more you starve yourself physically, the more spiritually you can see. I've gotten to places in life where I can't get a revelation from God and the only time I can get a revelation is when I put food and things away. Sometimes you got to turn off the television to hear God. Sometimes you got to put up the iPhone. Whew. It's got me, man. I've got to do something. I want to go back to 82. I'm like Napoleon's uncle. Be <laughs> Let's all stand. I'm going to get the praise team to come up. Y'all mind if we end with one powerful song? But before we break down in this tune here, I appreciate y'all giving me the grace to finish this. Before I was saved, I knew a little bit about Jesus. I knew that he was the son of God. I knew that he was born of a virgin. I knew he was born in Bethlehem, and I knew that he died on the cross, and I knew that on the third day he was rose from the dead according to scriptures. I knew all this, but before I was saved, I never knew him. Some of y'all know about Jesus. You got the facts, but the facts is not going to save you. What's going to save you is Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. 
we take just a moment right now. No more playing church. No more going through the motions. It's time to get real in the house of the living God right now. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. You have not, the Bible said, because you ask not. If you need prayer this morning, make your way. I'm praying right now for Paula's brother. Hallelujah. Struggling to live. Father, in the mighty name of Christ, I pray, Lord, right now, you'll send forth the blessings from heaven. Cover him, Lord, from the top of his head down to the feet. Healing in the mighty name of Christ. You were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes were healed. Anybody else? That one was from the Holy Spirit. Let's see. Anybody going to ask God for something? You need prayer. You need salvation. You're going to leave the same way you came? That's your choice. You can choose to go right now to the liquor store. And buy you a whole case of liquor. Or you can come to the cross right now and say, you know what? I choose life. I choose to live. Father, we praise you now in the mighty name of Christ. We're going to end this service and worship. Give us the grace to anoint. Anoint us right now in Jesus' name.
And can we just close in prayer real quick? Would that be okay? You know, Father God, we just come before you and we just lift up our praise to you. Father, you have blessed, blessed us so much with your presence this morning. And we just thank you that you are a changing and forgiving God. We thank you for your grace and for your love. Father, I pray that we walk out these doors, Lord, with a new energy, a new life that's been born in us, God. And we go out to the world and not be a part of this world, Lord, but we be a part of God's love and God's light. And we share that with those around us. Father, this service and this blessing does us no good if we choose not to be different when we walk out those doors. So we expect great things from a loving God. We thank you for your forgiveness and for being together as one and humbly just being able to serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.